In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Jesus teaches what Paul, or rather Paul teaches what Jesus does is our way of seeming together a theology of the New Testament. It's not that often though that Paul literally quotes Jesus. Today is one of those occasions where we come pretty close to it. Owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. We say this every week in this form. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We also say this, God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them, which is expanded in 1 John 4 as this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The flow of thought is clear, in other words. God loved us, we love God, we love one another. God did not wait for us to come to him. He came to us first with his love. And it's that sense of God's prior belovedness, as Paul Saul puts it, that animates everything that we do. Now, if it sounds like we're reducing everything to love, we're not. Love is the fruit, but faith is the tree on which it grows. So love depends on faith, Everything depends on faith, but faith is the gift of grace, and grace is the gift of God, the free gift, free for us, bought at a price and paid for by God. What of this depends on us? Nothing. Everything depends on God. Everything. The God who loved us and gave us everything, everything we need in this world, this age, and the next. So far, I will think you will find this exposition pretty consistent with the classical theology of Augustine and Paul and Jesus as refreshed and represented faithfully in new persuasive words, that's Thornton Wilder, by the reformers. And of those reformers, Luther gets pride of place because this year and for a whole number of years to come, we are celebrating a series of 500th anniversaries. Luther claims that what we all believe, at least it's what we all confess. Its implications are vast and deep and cannot be worked out by any one of us at any time. For that, we need one another, those who've gone before us to glory and those who are yet to come. But we look to the former, those ahead of us on the path to help to keep us on track and on task, faith and works, love and law, grace. These are the building blocks of the Reformation, and it's worth getting them know them then, especially as they have been defined and redefined in the classical worlds of our common practice, and we are invited to claim them again. 
For the commandments are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. One message. So much to learn about living it out, however, and working it out in life. First thing first. One thing Jesus has added to this in today's readings, the need to agree on what it is to love, on what it is you're loving and on how it is you're going to love. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Luther jumps in right here, and he proposes that this agreement should come naturally, that there is a natural law written on the heart that defines love universally, common grace, the Reformed side might call it, not an individual there is who does not realize and who is not forced to confess the justice and truth of the natural law outlined in the command, Matthew 7, 12. All things, therefore, whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, even do you so also unto them. The light of this law shines in the inborn reason of all men, all human beings, now, the command to love our neighbors as ourselves is equivalent to that other. Every individual desires to be loved and not hated, and he also feels and sees his obligation to exercise the same disposition toward others. The carrying out of this obligation is loving another as himself, end quote. We can run from our obligation to our neighbor, Luther is saying, but we can't hide. It is hidden within our very selves. He goes on, everyone must admit a consciousness of his own love for himself, of his ardent concern for his temporal life, temporal life, of his careful nourishment of the body with food, raiment, and all good things, of his fleeing from death and avoiding evil. It is only at times when all our concerns are refocused then in this existential way because we are facing the possibility that all these good things, life and the very necessities of life, are in danger of being taken away, that we can, as one, reach that common core. Right now, that possibility is very much at hand. Many of us have family, household, and the houses they live in, and the places they work and study and play in harm's way at the moment. My wife's family and mine, therefore, have five households and five houses in the Fort Myers area, and we wait with some interest to see how this day goes. We have a class of this people in this country also who were born here, but are facing the prospect of being separated from the places where they live, forced into exile. And another group, this first group, who are facing having their places of work and life taken from them by natural forces, by acts of God, as we say. In both cases, this ardent concern, in Luther's words, has aroused an outpouring of sympathy and compassion, of love. It's pulled this country together in neighbor love in its purest form. People who have been at one another's throats, literally, neighbors who cannot come to any sort of consensus on political solutions to the problems of this age, find common ground. They come to agreement by the spiritual force of love. 
Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. But how elusive is this agreement, this consensus, this harmony between neighbors? We become polarized because of the ideological constructs, fantasies, and abstractions for which we seem ready to live or die. But when life or death are really at stake, some other force completely it is that binds us together with God and brings out a grace which seems to have been always there, more ready than we can ask or imagine to spring into action. Grace and love based on a recognition that there is more than meets the eye to our common humanity than our common humanity, something that mere humanity can never reveal, and something that mere humanity could never have placed there of its own devices, grace and love. Luther again, it is practically doing evil to permit our neighbor to remain in peril when we can relieve him even though we may not have been instrumental in placing him where he is. In other words, it doesn't matter whose fault it is when people are in peril. Our job is to get in there and get them out of it. We should take this view, he says, concerning any perilous condition, any adverse circumstances with our neighbors. And our neighbors include our enemies, as Luther is quick to remind us. How love is the fulfillment of the law, end quote. Our Lord reminds us that what we have done for the least among us, we have done for him. God has no need of our good works for himself. It's easy to stop the cycle right there with just trying to deal with God. Lock ourselves in our prayer closet and enjoy some peace and quiet time shutting out the cries of the world, then striving after greatness, goodness, forcing open the doors of heaven by our good and pious practices. Luther again, for Christ laid aside his divinity and took upon himself the form of a servant for the very purpose of bringing down and centering upon our neighbor the love we extend to him. Yet we leave the Lord to lie here in his humiliation while we gazed open-mouthed into heaven and make great pretensions to love and service to God in our gilded churches and chapels. So what is this life for, if not for God? It is for one another, and a life measured not by what we get out of it, but by what we give and defined by the fact that we can give the gift of life to others and all it takes to sustain that life and then give it again and again and again, on and on and on, just as God has designed. The God who is glorified by life, living beings, human beings, and all creation, living life in all its fullness. In the hours and days and even years to come, Many families who are up against it today are going to rediscover something about life. Just how much we really want and how little of what we want we really need. 
at how much time we're wasting day after day investing in what in the end will all be swept away with our last gasp as that storm surge rips our souls from our bodies. We are made for one another and for God, for relationship, for secure attachment. And we are, we, one another, the only thing we can take from this life, this age, into the age to come. And nothing we will leave behind matters in the end. So let us strive to use the time we have been given to love one another. And to come to some agreement about how that love will let us live out our time together. Let us listen hard and speak softly to one another. Listen hard, really learn to listen until we've heard one another, not just taking turns talking, which is our want. Listen hard, listen again, and then, and only then, speak softly in word and deed, in love. Amen.